It's a great new day. Rise and shine, dandelions. Oh, man. I slept good. I was just telling one of my lady friends, my off again, off and on again lady friends. So I have this lady friend who lives near Sacramento. She's like partial native. I'm kind of jealous. She gets all these. I think I've told you all about her. She gets native benefits. Makes me want to look into my ancestry. But, uh, yeah. She deals with a lot of the mental challenges that I deal with. So we connect on that. But the hardest part about it is, one, our friendship is long distance. And two, she has a tendency to want to like go ghost more than I do. Because there's times where I'm the same way. I just want to be a recluse. I don't want to talk to anybody. I don't want to be bothered with anybody. Like sometimes I'm like social butterfly. And then other times I'm like, I don't want to talk to anybody. Like meaning like not really want to like, how do I say this? Um, cause my, me driving for Rebu forces me to interact with folks. But even in that, there's times where I have people in the car and I'm like, I'm like, I hope they don't want to talk. I kind of hope they don't want to talk. I mean, I'll talk if they talk, but there's times I need alone time. So anyway, there's, that's a deeper, deeper, deeper thing. But, oh, where I see, all right, where am I going with that? All right. Lady friend, we'll just call her, I call her Yeti. Lady friend in near Sacramento. What was I just telling her? Oh, I told her it's been a long time since I slept like six hours straight, eight hours straight. But today, what time did I get home, y'all? I got home around like four-ish. Whenever I did my last recording, 4 or 5 a.m., fell asleep around 5.30, 6-ish, somewhere around there. So now I'm just now kind of for real waking up. I think I woke up. I, I tend to wake up at least one time. But, like, you know, in between me sleeping, like, if I, like, am in bed for, like, six or eight hours, I at least wake up once or twice. And I usually have some pretty intense dreams. But today, dreams weren't that intense. And I felt like I slept pretty well. Now, I'm still kind of tired, but it's just annoying. Like waking up tired, often waking up tired, but here we are. Here we are. Here we are. All right, so now... Now I see why people drink so much coffee and Red Bulls. Like, uh, the last young lady I seriously dated, she had three kids. Some of y'all might know her as Steffi Curry. Um, it's weird because I got a lot of Steffs yesterday. Not a lot, but a couple that popped up on my screen. I took one of them. The other one, I was about to pull up. They look kind of sketchy. That's so annoying. There's people that, like, they'll order a ride but they'll order for their 
for these dudes. Like, it would be, like, sometimes it will be a woman and she'll order uh, over for a bunch of dudes or her dude to come over. And then sometimes it's a dude who will order over for his lady and they don't put it in as a guest rider. Anyway, that's, I like, I don't feel comfortable doing that. I, I don't even like to do guest rides. I prefer, like, whoever orders the ride. That's who should be there when I show up. That way there's no issues that I got to worry about later on. Anyway, that's a little, a little side quirk. Is it quirk? 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 Not quirk. Quirk, 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 quirk. All right, so it's quirk. My side quirk. All right, so... Where was I going to go? Where was I going to go with this conversation, y'all? Pet peeves about Reboo? No, I'm not going to go there today. I don't want to sound like I'm complaining. We're already five minutes in. Uh, oh, Steph's. Steffi Curry's. Steffi Curry. Steffi Curry. Yes. Um, The last young lady I seriously dated. Oh, why was I? Yeah. All right. There's this bowling alley. <laughs> I'm not going to say the name of it, but it's like way over in, I forgot that part of Kansas, but Steffi Curry's son used to work there and I had to pick some people up from there. It's what sucks about soul ties and dating people. It's like when you go different place, like that's what, yeah, if you break, if you don't end up staying with that person and you break up with them. Every time you see you up a place, like there was this McDonald's that her and I, anything you did with that person, <laughs> you have these memories like, oh, I remember being in that parking lot with that person and doing such and such. And it's like, ah, those memories don't go away. So that's my recommendation to you like hey before you do just anything with anybody like be very mindful of entering into relationships like just don't go into a relationship willy-nilly not that that relationship was willy-nilly her and I met on that Christian dating app upward and um in my heart of heart. Oh, what's crazy too is there's this guy at the church I go to now who went to the same church as Steffi Curry. And he goes to my church now. And I was like, I know I recognize that dude because there's not a whole lot of white dudes with dreads. It's kind of, a, it's like a solar eclipse. It's not something you see very often. It's almost like seeing a bald white man on purpose. Like, everybody's freaking out about Harry Styles. I don't listen to Harry Styles, but I have a bad habit of looking at Yahoo News, and apparently it's a big deal. Him cutting his hair off on purpose. Anyway, I don't know how I got on to Harry Styles, but I think I was talking about white man with dreads. All right. What was that? There was a point in even bringing up Steffi Curry. 
the last serious relationship I was in. That was the phrase that I said. Oh, well, maybe it'll come back to me. All right, so here's the plan, y'all. Going forward, um, I'm going to the format of this. I really don't like having a format. I kind of like this being free to start talking because, you know what? I have a counselor and him and I talk once a week on Wednesdays, right? And um, for an hour, well, technically we talk a little bit more than that because like 45 minutes, it's a 45 minute ride when I pick him, I've been picking him up. He was in a car accident, so I pick him up and we talk on the ride back to civilization from where I pick him up at. And then we talk when we get inside the church in his office. So anyway, um, so this is like, I'm realizing kind of like my therapy, like having all these random strangers listening to this, right? But not all of y'all are random. Like some of y'all are like Miss J, who I met last. Uh, all right. So the rest of this, for the rest of this year, I'm dedicating this podcast to Miss J because she really sparked some creativity into me and really kind of helped me. I don't think she realized, like she kind of helped me break out of that um, kind of rut that I was in with writing. Like I'm officially done writing. I've been thinking about this for a while. I'm done writing because my brain moves faster than my hand. And there's so much stuff that I want to say. And hopefully this almost kind of be like a memoir and somebody else will either, cause I've been reading this book. I think I told y'all called God's generals. And on one hand, it is cool to hear. It is interesting to hear, um, this biographer, Liaridon, I think that's how you say his name, Robert Liaridon writing about these different people. And he goes through all these, notes notes and notes of in letters because back then people used to write letters and that's how it almost be like modern like tech modern day text messages right but who has access to people's text messages right so how in the world are we going to write biographies and um and memoirs and all that kind of stuff how people want to write all this stuff when Everything is via text. There's no, there's barely anybody that writes letters anymore. At the most, people people barely even write emails. So, the it is interesting reading these stories about all these very powerful men and women of God who did amazing things for in the early church, like in um, the Welsh revival and all that kind of stuff. But it would be even cooler to hear actual candid stories like like this, like details from their voice, not just writing, but from their voice of things that happen. I hope these recordings never get lost. I probably should. I don't know. I just need to keep just cranking out recordings. Because uh, someday, I mean, I already know our stories are written in heaven, but someday my kids will listen to this. Or somebody will listen to this and be like, hmm, Aaron, when it's time for me to leave this earth, they'll be like, Aaron was a very interesting fellow. Let me write stories about him.
I don't know. I mean, I don't, that's not my goal. The main thing is, for me, I want my kids mainly to learn from the trials and tribulations that their dad goes through. So this podcast is, I think I've said this before, it's primarily for me. Secondly, it's for my kids. It's primarily for me and God my and my kids. This is like me talking to God in a way. You know, because I don't know, sometimes prayer, if you ever feel like prayer kind of feels weird at times, like I know God is listening, but it's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. Not my mother, not my father, but it's me, oh Lord. All right. So yesterday, even yesterday, I was at prayer. I didn't make it to prayer this morning at eight. It wasn't happening. Um, I think going forward, I'll only be going to the 6 a.m. prayers. Monday through Friday and Saturday will be my day off since I drive late at night. I need to sleep in at least one day. But I was at prayer yesterday and I was walking with this guy that goes all the time, which is funny because he has the same name as Miss J as well. Not her actual name, but her shortened name. And we were just like popcorn praying or I guess that would be your hot potato praying. I don't know what you call it, where he would pray for. We were like we were almost like battle pray rapping. Is that a thing? Battle praying? But we weren't like fighting each other. We were like fighting the enemy. Like he was praying for like thirty seconds. We were like walking because we always we walk in laps around the church. So I get my that's how I get my exercise and I get my prayer and it's like my workout in the mornings because I really don't like to work out, but I need to I need to get exercise. So it's like I knock out two pigeons with one pebble i'm gonna start saying that going forward instead of saying knocking out two birds and one stone i'm gonna say knock out two pigeons and one pebble <laughs> so for some reason i just randomly thought of pebbles from flintstones but uh <laughs> oh, i'm silly all right so there was uh yeah, him and I were battle praying. So he would like pray for like 15, 30 seconds, sometimes a minute, 60 seconds, two minutes. Yeah. And then I would pray. And then while he's praying, I'm praying in tongues. And then while, while I'm praying in like English, he's praying in tongues. And we just, it was, it was amazing. It was cool. I enjoyed that. Y'all should do it. You have a good friend. I miss my friend Scotty. I used to have this friend Scotty from our house church. He's like the only person from my house church that my family thought was a cult. <laughs> um, that's a whole nother story. But uh, yeah, we used to go walking in Tomahawk Park in Kansas and we would catch leaves. It still blows my mind that him and I used to go walking around that park and... Eventually, I ended up getting a job at 
the last banking job I had was right across the street from that park. But at that time, when him and I used to just walk around that park and catch leaves and pray together and talk and to share our share our heart to one another, I didn't even know about Altera or what do I call it? Alt, what do I call that bank in my in my book? I call it Higher Ground Bank. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even know Higher Ground Bank even existed. It is it's amazing how you can be walking in the area at a certain period in time. Like sometimes I wonder like how many times I saw my former wife when we were kids. Like what if we were in Six Flags at the same time or walking through a mall at the same time or driving past each other? But we didn't know each other yet. Like even that lady, Miss J, who I just had in my car earlier this morning. What if her and I have interacted at some point in time and we never like we were at some kind of event. But at the time, we didn't know each other until that moment. How many people do we interact with? in our day-to-day life and at some point we cross paths and we just didn't know each other yet that's the cool thing in my life all right so oh all right going forward i'm gonna try to have some type of format even though i don't like formats i kind of like not living a script scripted life man this i don't know who this new dog is that lives i don't think he lives upstairs Maybe it's a she. I think it's a he. Just by the sound of the bark, it's a little aggressive. But nowadays, she ladies be barking more aggressive than fellas. So maybe it is a she dog. Anyway, I refuse to say the B word. Just not cool. I can't do it. <laughs> All right. So, uh, there's, yeah, there's, forget the dog. Sorry. The dog distracted me. Where is I going with that? Oh, formats. So going forward, I'm going to attempt, I'm just going to go back to just doing one. I'm going to do try to do one recording before I go to bed and then one recording. Y'all hear that dog barking? Poor dog. It sounds lonely. It reminds me of myself. Alright, uh one recording at night before I go to well, whenever I get home. One recording before I go to bed and one recording when I first wake up. And that way I'll definitely get my Bible time in and we'll do like one only do one chapter at a time. We'll do our best to keep these below an hour. And then eventually I will release dots. in these individual like EP like style probably recordings. I might make albums, but honestly, I don't I need to stop saying the phrase honestly, because it almost implies that I'm not being honest all the other times. But alright, how to say this? Sincerely? Um or just to be like candid. There you go. Guess that works. Um, super candid. Um, 
I want to be able to just like release. All right. Writing and podcasting is what is going to liberate me from driving Raybu and Lyft. Having to do that, right? That's what's going to, at least, I don't know, unless God has a plan to use this lady I met yesterday named, what do we call her? Bree? Whose uncle, rich uncle, just sold property for like $22 million. And if she wants to break me off some as her personal driver. I met this one guy a couple weeks ago who said, because he used to do Z Trip like me or E Troop Taxi, that's what I call it in the book, in the in jump. And he drove for this blind man, this rich blind man. You never know who that next person you drive is going to change your life. Like, even after, I just have this vision of meeting somebody and they be like, you know what? I like your story. I'm going to give you an advance on your next book. And don't worry about paying it back. Just go write it. Just focus. Take a whole month off and just write. Right? Just focus on writing and podcasting for a whole month or for a whole year. And I only will drive Raybu and Lyft to get more stories. More like, every, yeah. Because my brother, he just recently gone, went back to doing Raybu and Lyft, even though he took a long break. But the bills don't sleep. And so, yeah, he had a, it's, yeah. I told him just in the meantime, because he does it part-time and he's a veteran. Happy Veterans Day, by the way. Shout out to all the vets. Yeah, if you got a vet friend, check on him because it's not an easy time. I'm talking about veteran of the military, not veterinarian. <laughs> so my brother does comedy and I just told him, hey, just use this for material. I know, I know. I need to come up with a name for my neighbor dog. Well, I don't know. What are we going to call him? I kind of like the name Yogi. Oh, that's what I was going to... Oh, darn it. Lord, Holy Spirit, bring back to my memory why I even brought up Steffi Curry earlier. Because there was a whole trail of thought that I had on that. Oh, well. All right. So this lady I had in my car yesterday, I picked her up at Walmart over in KCK. And uh, she had, I want to say it was a Yogi, I think it was a Yogi Bear bag. That's what I'm thinking about, Yogi Bear. So yeah, I'm calling my neighbor dog Yogi. If I ever get a dog or a cat, I don't don't see myself getting a cat. I'm not really a fan of cats. My daughter want a cat so bad. And she would love me so much if I had a cat. But I'm sorry, I just can't do it. Too much work, litter. A dog is enough work. I got to be out there in the freezing cold while you do your thing. Like if I have a dog, if I get a dog, I need a house. And that dog is going to be trained. It's going to have like a little door that can knock and things can get in and out. I don't know. That dog is going to be trained to like go out in the back. It's going to have a backyard. It's going to be trained to go do his thing. 
and it's gonna I'm gonna have like a special poop box or something like that, like a kitty litter box, something like that outside. I don't know. And it's gonna go do its thing there and it's gonna clean up after itself too. I'm trying to do all that stuff. Or I'll train it to use the actual toilet. I don't know. Dogs are a lot of work. But if I do get a dog, his name will be Yogi. And in the meantime, that's what I'm calling this dog next door. Yogi. Hey, Yogi. Alright, so I had this lady in my car. She's from... Um, I promise y'all I'm getting to the word eventually here. But this is kind of like my therapy, y'all. Just getting stuff like decompressing. Uh, or technically, now it's morning. This is just, I guess, more decompressing. But what's the name of that country? Oh, this is look at our notes. Why rack our brain? Her name was... I have this Asian lady named Minerva. She was from the Philippines. She was cute. All right, scroll, 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 scroll. Scroll, 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 scroll. There it goes. Her name was... I don't want to say that. We'll just call her Carlita. Carlita. So Carlita, I picked her up. Yeah, she's from Honduras. She's a single mom. She speaks Spanish. I spoke to her in Spanish just a little bit. Uh, And anyway, she was just telling me that I was like, we got on this whole conversation. She's here on a visa, a work visa, like a J-1 visa. I think she's on a J-1 visa, not the H-2B. There's two types, I guess. Anyway, she's working at the Lowe's Hotel, which is a really nice hotel here in Kansas City. It's like where a lot of the celebrities go. Whatever celebrities come when they come to Kansas City, that's the, the hotel to be at, apparently. So anyway, a lot of Chiefs players and stuff. But uh, so we're just talking. I'm asking her different questions. And I was like, somehow we got on the topic. Like I asked her if she had a mortgage down there in Honduras. She's like, nope. Like I was like, do you pay rent? She's like, nope. She owns her house, right? Now I have to put in a quick... I don't know, uh, asterisk by this because apparently Honduras is a very unsafe place for tourists to be. <laughs> Probably because they know, like, they don't want any uh, y'all, 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 y'all Europeans. I'll just say Europeans. You know, I love to uh, see stuff and think you own it. Uh, <laughs> and go to an area and be like, hmm, this looks nice. Let me, let me, uh, let me um set up shop down here. What is the word I'm thinking of? Imperialize or yeah. Just take over this area. That was another word I was thinking of. But um 
So apparently it's unsafe for tourists. They get robbed, and it's one of the most unsafe places, according online. When I was doing a little research for tourists, but I'm sure for the locals, everything's all good, right? Or especially, like, if I were to go down there, I'd probably be good, because I could kind of blend in. As long as my Spanish, I work on my Spanish and my accent, I could probably blend in. Because the woman I had in my car, Carlita, she looked a lot like me. She looked like she could be one of my cousins, which... It's weird because when I think of Honduras, I think of people that look more like lighter skinned Puerto Ricans or something like that. Or Mexican. Yeah, I don't know. But yeah, it is. And she looked almost kind of like she could pass for Jamaican or Cuban or Dominican. And her accent was more, yeah, like uh, like sounded almost a little bit more Jamaican sounding. But anyway, Carlita from Honduras was telling me that she only, I was like, I was like, so what do you pay? She said, I just only pay once a year. And then her, she has to pay like property tax. And it's only like, what did she say? Let me get this right. She said her property tax is only like $200 for the whole year. I was like, what? That's crazy. Could you imagine and she and she only paid like four to five grand to build her house. Versus here in the United States, she's living in a nice apartment downtown, near downtown, that is provided by the hotel people or they put it put them up and it's like four of them. She has like three other roommates, and her rent is twenty eight hundred dollars a month, seven hundred dollars per person. That's insane. She pays more in rent here in the United States than she will probably in a lifetime on her property taxes in Honduras. But at the same time, the USD goes very far in Honduras. So she's like rich down there. She's rich, rich with the money she makes down there. And I asked her, I was like, when she's going to go back, she has a son. And I say, you going to work when you go back home? And she's like, no. <laughs> I was going to hang out with my son. I was like, what? I was like, we work way too hard here in the United States. Way too hard. Like, I was telling my brother how most of the work that I do is to just pay for my rent in a place that I barely even like ever stay in. And to make my car payment or whatever, which I didn't used to have one. Should have just held on to that car. Oh, well, when it's paid off. And then to, yeah, pay out the little, yeah, child support, none of the little debts here and there. My car, my cell phone and all that. Bro, if I, I wish I had talked, spoken to Carlita fresh out of high school and I would have, planned my life a little bit better i would have been living like yeah going like they do go work in another country where you can make more money or another state probably that pays more and i'll do that like a few months out of the year i'll like go to like cali or i don't know just somewhere it pays more or denver had us had some roommates right to keep my costs down or got in some kind of like work sponsored work sponsor. I would have done like job course, something like that. 
work-sponsored uh, kind of situation. I don't know. I would have done something where basically kept my expenses low, like go work somewhere in another country, kept my expenses low, did my best to not get married and have children with somebody, <laughs> have some roommates, kept my expenses low, and um, yeah, I would have done, I should have done something like YWAM or, yeah, something with evangelism or, yeah, uh, study, like, not study abroad. That even though that would have been cool, but like, uh, like a missions trip. Like, I really should have looked into being a missionary of some sort. Something where I could keep my expenses low. And... Save up a bunch of money. Yeah. And then, like, not work for, like, three to six months out of year. That's what my buddy Chad does. Like, he only works, like, six or seven months out of the year on his food trailers. And then the other months, he just lives off of his rental income. And then other stuff that he just he just flips stuff. All He flips animals and he flips um, other stuff that he finds on craigslist or facebook marketplace speaking of that i really need to get back into doing like flipping stuff but all right y'all y'all probably heard enough of me ramble i feel like there was a few other things i wanted to say and then i'll be done oh miss J, if you're still listening um and i gotta be careful because this lady is married so i ain't uh, I gotta uh, I'll probably be the last time I address Miss J in, in a podcast but uh, maybe I'll come up with some other code name that only I will know <laughs> oh man I don't know I gotta be careful with this stuff but um, I don't know I just like to be real and honest about why can't alright let's address this really quick one of the cool things about being single right now is being able to like be friends with not f- well yeah to have multiple like friendships or acquaintanceships with women like my one on again off again friend in near Sacramento Yeti I actually went like a few months ago cut out a lot of my old lady friendships I like cut them all out because I wanted to prepare myself for a wife. But now I'm thinking, like, it might be at least, I'm 36, it might be another year, two years, three years, four years, before I ever get, even get married again. So, and there's something about once you get married, unless your spouse is understanding, know that you're not going to cheat. Like, and I've heard pastors say this, that they don't really entertain, they don't allow themselves to be alone with another woman. You know, it's this whole thing, to avoid the appearance of evil, things get weird and hairy. Like once you, once you get married as a guy, and it's been weird being a single man and being around other people's wives, like married women. I try to like not even like at the most. I do high fives, and I try to not make a whole lot of eye contact, and I try to keep my conversations with them very brief because I don't want. I don't even want my thoughts to go there. And I don't want anybody to think that I'm trying to like hit on 
that's a married dude's wife. I don't need them problems in my life. But, like, there's a lady in my church, the old church that I went to, who's friends with me on Facebook, and she's, like, always liking all my stuff and and are commenting on it. And sometimes I'm like, hmm, is there something there? And I'm like, I my brain shouldn't even be going there. So there's a scripture that talks about avoiding the very appearance of evil. But anyway, uh, we are at 36 minutes. Friends that are women, I'm thinking about restarting those again. I heard somebody say that you shouldn't be... You shouldn't date a woman that you wouldn't marry. But I feel like all marriages start with a good, solid friendship. And I think women are very good at this. I've noticed this. Women are good at having like multiple platonic friendships with guys. And then, yeah, I saw this with my own eyes. There was this young lady. I'll say, what would I say? I'll just say Hannah because there's lots of Hannahs. There's this lady, young lady I went to church with named Hannah in my old church. And I saw her do this very well, have multiple guy friendships. And I think she dated a couple, like at least one of them. I think she was doing like dating. I could tell something was going on there. But I saw her do this pretty well where she was able to like maintain friendships with guys. I don't think she was like, as far as I know, she wasn't like seriously dating any of these guys or like, making out with them or, you know, sleeping with them or none of that. She was very good at keeping these platonic friendships with guys and women. Because I remember going over, hanging out with some of her. She invited me over to game night. And I think at one point she might have been, like, interested in me maybe. Possibly. I don't know. I saw chemistry there. But then I think it turned into, like, hmm, how, who in my friend group can I, like, hook Aaron up with? <laughs> Because I still didn't have my stuff together. I still, I don't think I'll ever, I know, I'm not going to say that. The concept of having your stuff together is just so overblown. It's like so, after meeting old girl from Honduras, Carlita, my whole perspective on life has changed tremendously. I used to like feel a lot of shame over like not having, owning a house or achieving this, what people call the American dream. I feel like it's an American nightmare now. All right. So, yes, I don't think I'm going to I'm going to try my best not to go back to some of the lady friends that I used to have. Like my one friend, Helen, out in Seattle. Well, now she lives in uh, Oregon or somewhere near Oregon. Is that what is that where she lives? I can't remember. Um, or the one lady, yeah, Miss J. There's this you had you wanted stories. There was this lady I met. I didn't even tell you that story. And there was this lady I met um from Cali. Picked her up from the airport and I ended up eventually taking her all the way all the way out to White Castle in Columbia, Missouri. And she was like ten years older than me beautiful light-skinned lady she kind of reminded me of my ex-wife and that like curt light-skinned woman with curly hair it's kind of my kryptonite and um (laughs) 
that I just thought of a joke that I was going to tell her. Miss J earlier this morning, like, can you turn a hippie into a housewife? She said she used to be a hippie. Anyway, so I think that's it, y'all. I think I should stop there. Oh, yes. Going forward, I'm going to reopen up my um, friendships with women. I'm not going to have a whole lot, but and I'm going to try not to go back to the old ones like Candy or Helen or Kelly. Candy's the one I met from Cali. Helen is, I met her on Live Me like five, six years ago, and she was like really sweet. She was almost like an, a big sister to me. Like, there are so many, like, she's really encouraged me so much. She's one of the first people to like buy my older, my original copies of my book. Um, just encouraging we related to each other on so many levels like we had really good chemistry like and it's weird the hard part about having friendship with women is eventually you might you're going to develop feelings the more you talk to somebody you're going to start develop feelings for them and an attachment toward them especially somebody like me so anyway i'm going to be reopening it up my friendships now here the hard part um i promised my pastor that i would not give out my number anymore doing rebu to stay out of trouble but here's the thing i'm probably going to the way i'll know if they mean that person is supposed to like be friends what's crazy because i gave brie my number but it was mainly because i agreed to Kind of be a personal driver for it. I know I won't at times like on a, I told her only I could do it like on like Tuesdays when it's slow. Um. Anyway, I don't know about that, but I got to be careful with all that kind of stuff. Cause I already got one personal rider that I take to GM every morning at five fifteen. So yeah, going forward. If I can tell there's like a woman like interested in me, right? Cause I think part of me thinks it would be like super duper cool to meet my future wife while doing Raybu slash Lyft. I want her to meet me while I don't have my all my stuff together according to this the American nightmare standards, right? And um So going forward, the way I'll know, like the courtship process will be like, all right, here is my website, AJY87.com. And now that I know that that website still operates, even though I don't pay for the WordPress, like to make it like a legit website. And now it's like a WordPress site, but the domain still works. Yeah, it says erinjnt.com.wordpress.com. Even though I still own both domains, erinjnt.com, ajy87.com. Anyway, what I'll do is, yeah, and the links still work and everything. Yeah, the links work and everything, so...
what I'll do is just give people that 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 website, the link to that website. All right, y'all, I'm done rambling. We'll be back. I'm going to go ahead and restart, and we're going to, when I come back, we're going to read Matthew chapter 10. Matthew chapter 10 out of the KJV. All right, here we go. Be right back. I really think I might be on to something um, for podcasting as a form of therapy. There's something about knowing that there's people listening, but they're not talking back or giving their opinions or trying to like. Oh, let's, let's do that again. And we're black. I mean, we're back. It's a good friend, A.A. Ryan. We're chewing the Bible. It is November 11th, 2023. 11-11. It's funny. There's this rapper, Kieran the Light, and he has this whole series of songs called About Witchcraft, part one, part two, part three. And he talks about angel numbers. And he's like, anyway, <laughs> he always y'all go look up the song. Hear what Mr. Kieran the Light has to say. K I E R A N the Light has to say about angel numbers. Anyway, it's 11 11 2023. Um, and uh, what was I about to say before we get into the word? I can't talk too long, but no, nah, we can talk as long as we want. This is our podcast, this is therapeutic, just getting stuff out. There's something cool about just getting it all out. And I know there's a scripture in Proverbs that talks about like a fool voices all his opinions or whatever, or something like that. At the same time, what I love about David is like he in Lamentations by Solomon and the Psalms by David. And a lot of the other scriptures is like when the, I love the people that just like pour their hearts out on the page and they're just like sharing what's on their heart. Everything that's bothering them, all their fears, all their worries, all their anxieties. And that's kind of what I like to think of this podcast as and what it's becoming or evolving into is like. I got to be careful using the word evolve. Some Christians might be like, is he a supporter of evolution? Speaking of that, I had this the first guy I witnessed to yesterday on the way getting my day started on the way out in my neighborhood. He told me he was Buddhist. And I told him, John 14, 6, Jesus, he said, there's a lot of similarities between Buddhism and Christianity. And I was like, well, the biggest difference is the issue of sin. Who is your savior? And Jesus said in John 14, 6, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. So that enlightenment, I was like, that's what y'all call it, right? Enlightenment, he's like, yeah. Or he said some phrase. He had some Buddhist terminology used. I'm not a big fan of terminology, but... I was like, Jesus is the one you're the enlightenment you're looking for. He's the only way you will. He is the road. Uh, yeah, 
He's at the end of all roads. All roads point to Jesus. He is the narrow road that you've been searching for. So anyway, um, where's I going with that? Yes, this podcast is evolving slash metamorphosizing slash transforming. I just like butchering the English language because it's the King's English anyway. It's not even our original language that my ancestors spoke. But speaking of that, on a side conversation, my young friend Yeti, she's Native American right now. I was talking to her about dream catchers, how they're like a portal to the demonic realm and all that kind of stuff. And she's like, well, she has a, and then she, I was like, I said, do you have a dream catcher? And she was like, actually, I do. I have one right above my bed. And anyway, I can't share all of my friend Yeti's personal business, but there are certain things that she deals with. And I honestly think that anyway, we're not going to go there. But yes. But we had a whole me and Yeti had a whole conversation about like Native American rituals and like. Coinciding, is that the word? Darn it, why can't I speak today? Going Native American rituals and how do I say it? What is the word am I trying to say? Being side by side or how to rectify to how to be Native American and Christian at the same time because there's a lot of things that Native Americans do and rituals that they do that are contrary to the Christian faith. But the Christian faith a lot of times is seen as a white man's religion. And they try to whitewash the founders of it that are the people of the modern day Catholic and even Lutheran Reformation, all that kind of stuff. Pentecostal movement, all that kind of stuff. They try to whitewash everything. Even the music. Oh, especially the music. Oh, man, this is going deep. Because I don't even know how I'm going down here. All right, this is stop. Let's stop. Put some footnotes in the white American church whitewashing music and worship. And... um Yeah rituals of other faiths of other um rituals that are done by other races and ethnicities that also get stripped and whitewashed when our christianity enters their spear and speaking of spears i talked i told her about this like indigenous tribe Yeti, I was talking to her about this indigenous tribe where these white men, they went into this area, this remote island with these bush people that had never been touched or talked to really or never really interacted with other humans in the modern world. Not for real, for real. And they went in there and tried to evangelize them. And these bush people threw spears at them and killed them. Right. And then the wives go back. It's like a true story. Go look it up. The wives go look up indigenous bush people tribe or something like that kill mission christian white merit male christian missionaries and then the wife the wives go back and bravely try to witness to those or evangelize those same people and this time they're more accepting to them they actually welcome them in and they're like hey 
we saw your the spirits of your husbands like float into heaven or something like that. I don't know. They had this whole encounter with Jesus and they were more receptive this time to hear what they had to say. So I don't know how that's a deeper conversation. How can we evangelize other ethnicities and cultures and still like not embrace all the demonics like if they're involved in witchcraft and like all like yeah the witch doctors and all that kind of stuff and or voodoo or, if they're into all that kind of stuff like or the what is the one stuff the day of the dead deal slow deal all that kind of stuff not embrace all that stuff but still embrace the other beautiful parts even their language and i just look forward to heaven when there's like every nation every tongue it says every tongue every knee will bow and every tongue confess that jesus is lord and it's going to be a beautiful sight all right y'all finally finally i am I feel like I rambled for like a good hour and that felt really, really good because how many people do you have in your life that would allow you to just talk for a straight hour and not interject, not interrupt you, not call you crazy? But it's there's it's wild because there's somebody out there in the middle of nowhere, Trinidad and Tobago. Maybe I'll get some new now that I was talking about... uh. Honduras, uh, maybe I'll get some new listeners in Honduras. Who knows who's going to listen to this now or in the future, right? And they're going to listen to this entire thing. And there's some something that I said is going to help them, even if it inspires them to start their own podcast and just ramble and get stuff out for a while and then read the Bible afterward. All right, we're in Matthew chapter 10. Let's get going because I'll be here all day. Um. That's one of the things I miss the most about being married is like sleeping in on a Saturday, especially before I had kids. <laughs> and you would just be with your spouse, your wife, or yeah, hopefully your wife. And uh, y'all just laying there and just being lazy and just ordering takeout or you would order something, you go pick it up and y'all would eat it and y'all play games or watch movies and just talk about and just yeah do other things and just have a good time that's kind of what it's like right now since i don't have a wife that's what this is this podcast and me reading god's word so i'm about to shower after this and then i'm gonna get going wash my car and go pick up some folks because i have like 40 rides to do for Rebu. but you know at the same time if i don't complete something i'm learning to do is there's this song by Alex Jean. It's like, why would I stress about that? Why would I stress about that? And he adds this line how about selling your soul for $200. And every time I hear that line, because basically the bonuses this week on Raybu are like a little over $200. And I feel like when it that scripture talks about would profit a man to gain the whole world and lose his soul? 
we often think of like rich people that become millionaires or like Jeff Bezos, that that scripture applies to them. But that can apply to anybody who chases money rather than chases purpose and destiny. And even that can be turned into an idol. Like, forget all that. What profit a man to chase all these things in the world, but never, like in Matthew 7, when he says, depart from me, you work of iniquity. I never knew you. I never had a relationship with you, right? Give me Jesus Christ, intimacy with him, making him my treasure over any of the treasures of this world any day. One of my little cliches I like to say when I'm evangelizing people is like, other than my one of my favorite quotes I like to say is Jesus Christ is a gentleman. He never forces himself on anybody, but he's always knocking. He's kind of like Urkel and Laura, you know, chasing Laura, Pepe Le Pew. Probably not as aggressive as Pepe Le Pew, but kind of like Urkel. You know, he's he's a gentleman still. He's respectful. You know, Pepe Le Pew is kind of like preparing our generation to be, you know what, um, creepers, creeps. Um, we didn't even know it. Um, <laughs> uh, and movies like Aladdin, Disney movies, especially Aladdin was preparing us to like be huge simps who just, I can show you the world to make women idols. Don't get me wrong. It's one thing to like love your wife and to really lay your life down. Love your wife is Christ love the church, but it's another thing to make her an idol. And that's the biggest thing I never want to do in my next relationship is make my spouse an idol. Anybody an idol. Yes, we're made in the image of God. I heard somebody say that. Yeah, Lecrae was talking about that recently, how we are are all made in the image of God, but we're never, this whole concept of like worshiping people like Taylor Swift and making people these celebrities and these little gods, like that was never supposed to happen. Yeah, Jesus will not share his glory with anybody. All right, where was I going with all that? I had a point. I had a point. I had a point. I had a point. Idolatry. Yes, treasure. Christ is our treasure. Jesus Christ. Yes, outside of telling people that Jesus Christ is a gentleman, he never forces himself on anybody, but he's always knocking. He's kind of like Urkel chasing Laura. Because I will be chasing after you. I need to add that to my playlist. There's a song by Todd Tribbett. I'll forever be chasing after you. From glory to glory. I forgot all the lines. I used to listen to that song a lot when I was in college. Or everything... You're everything to me. But, um, that's what I should have put on when I had all the girls in my car arguing, those black chicks. I should have put on some worship music. I had on some Christian rap. But, um, all right, let me write that down before I forget. Add to playlist. Everything. Tide Tribute.
not tribit, 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 tribit. I'll be chasing after you. All right. I'll forever, just in case, I'll forever be chasing after you. All right, so, um, Christ is our treasure. And, oh, that's the other quote that I like to use. I haven't used it in a while. Heaven is more about the person that will be there than the destination. Everybody's like, oh, you know, everybody, we're all God's children. We're all going to heaven. And it's like, no, heaven is just a perk. It's like the icing on the cake. It's kind of like, think of it almost like a after a wedding. Like here on earth, you have an opportunity to marry Jesus. To really intimately love him and experience his love. So why? I, I told one of my neighbors this. I was talking to this other neighbor, this tall white dude. And I was like, not only do you and your girl, your fiance, have a bunch of inside jokes, right? That y'all have developed over time of being together. But imagine if when it's when y'all do have your wedding, right? And I all of a sudden like either like I show up at the wedding and she's like, Who are you? Like, who is this dude? Like, you know that part which says if anyone objects to so and so this this marriage or whatever, speak now or forever hold your peace. You got to be careful now saying that because a lot of people got a lot of skeletons in their closet. And some crazy dude might just show up and be like, oh, I do. I'm sure it's happened. I'm sure it's happened a lot. I almost want to go crash a bunch of weddings just to do that. Just for fun. And be like, no, nah, I'm just joking. And then the whole time the husband is over there looking nervous like, who is this black dude? <laughs> and he just like, yeah, he's like, who is this dude? And then the whole time he's just nervous like, hmm. Anyway, all right. So imagine I told my neighbor, I was like, what if I showed up to your guys' wedding and was like, hey, I object to this wedding. And she's like, I don't even know you. And you're like, but yeah, I want I... Yeah. I want to marry you. Don't marry that zero. Get with a hero. But she's like, I never knew you. I never had like, who are you? Where did you come from? Or imagine I am. Um, imagine that I am. Um, me and his like, say his fiance has an old boyfriend that she might have dated back in high school and he shows up to the wedding and he's like i object you know i want to marry you and she's like dude you and i held hands in high school we dated for like one for half the year the school year and you pecked me on the forehead and the cheek a couple times and that's it we didn't even like make out we didn't even go on any dates we didn't yeah it was puppy love what are you talking about he's like but we you know, that's what those are the I imagine those like the folks that the CME folks that go to church like a couple times out of the year. There's like so many people that are deceived thinking we can deceive ourselves. I'll let myself in that category. I'll do the royal we. 
we can deceive ourselves thinking we have a relationship with Jesus when we really don't. And heaven will be more about seeing that person, Jesus, and spending eternity with him. Then, and the destination will be like the honeymoon. That's just the ice on the cake. Like when I went to Disney World for my honeymoon, it wouldn't have been the same. Like, oh, somebody said that recently. Or or I think a pastor, my old pastor... Lewis said this, like, I don't want to quote him because I don't want to misquote him. Somebody said, like, was talking about the difference between going on a vacation by themselves or even with a friend versus, like, going on a vacation with their spouse. Two, like, going on vacation at at a beautiful place by yourself or going with a friend versus going with your best friend, your spouse, night and day. And if you were to go on a vacation by yourself without your spouse, the whole time you'd be like, man, I wish they were here. This is not the same. I wish I can enjoy this with my spouse. Anyway. That's what heaven is like. You get to enjoy the destination with Jesus. Yes, it's going to be great seeing like past loved ones like mom, dad, uncles, cousins, friends who hopefully accepted Jesus Christ into their heart. Um, as my counselor says, God's grace does does run pretty deep and pretty far. I think everyone will get a at least one thief on the cross type moment before they die. But basically, though, I personally feel like those people that will not be in heaven are ones that just completely rejected Jesus. Because in my personal opinion, heaven is just the absence. The absence of. And the presence of God. That's why when after David sinned, he said, please don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Because we saw what happened to Saul when he lost the presence of the, Holy, of, of the Lord. And what that did to him, he was in agony. Which at times I can relate to Saul, I can relate to David, I can relate to all of them. All right, here we go. Finally, here we go. Heavenly Father, as we enter into Matthew chapter 10, I pray that the word to jump off the page, that something, at least one thing would stand out to myself or the people listening that would transform their hearts, transform their minds, and help us grow in not just a bunch of head knowledge about your word, but an experiential knowledge of you, Lord, and how good you are, and how faithful you are, and how kind you are, and how much a good father you are, just like Yesterday, when I was out at the dollar store, and I saw that Jeep that had, I wanted, I should have taken a picture of it, but it's, it had like a bunch of Jesus, Team Jesus or something all over it. And then it also had that scripture, he heals our broken hearts and bandages. Our, it's, well, it just says, 
he heals the brokenhearted. That's what it is said. But it was quoting Psalm 147.3. And um, or it makes me think of Psalm 34.18. Like he's near the brokenhearted, those who are crushed in spirit. And so. Thank you, Jesus, that you capture all of our tears in a bottle, according to Psalm 40, no, Psalm 56, 8. Thank you, according to Zephaniah um, 3, 17, you rejoice over us. You sing loudly over us. Just like my dad, when I was a kid, he would sing. After he would discipline me or when I would have nightmares, you would come in my room, he would sing over me. I'll never forget those moments. So, anyway, as we enter into your word, we just thank you for the intimacy, the time to just draw closer and closer to you. Just like in James 4, 8, I think it says, draw near to me and I'll draw near to you. But we have to take the first step. <clears throat> Once again, you're a gentleman. The way... Just like I know a woman is interested in me is she takes the first a lot of the first steps in like showing interest as little telltale signs to be able to tell a woman is interested. Um, we give off these telltale signs to you that we're interested in spending time with you and getting to know you on a deeper level, not just a surface level, but a, not just a going to church level. Not just a religious ritual cross. I did my good deed for the week. Check off a box. I didn't curse this week. No, we want intimacy. And help us to not wait till it's too late. Wait till we're 80 years old, 100 years old. To give our lives to you completely. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Names of the 12. Here we go. We got this. Here we go. Finally. This is how many verses? So I know how to gauge my time. 42. Names of the 12. And when he had called unto him his 12 disciples, he gave them power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. Now, this blows my mind because there's a scripture later on that we're going to read that says we're going to do even greater things than what his disciples did. Which I've been a Christian since I was six years old. It's 30 years walking with Jesus, right? And it's been a big, it's a roller coaster, right? It's a roller coaster ride, picks you up and lets you down. It's an old Christian soft rock song. But yes, it's been a roller coaster ride, right? And, um, Sometimes I'm like, hold on, you said we want to do even greater things than the disciples. And what's wild is like, I don't, part of my evangelism style is I don't feel like, I don't even, how do I say this? I relate to a lot of the people in God's generals who, I think it was, Evans, Robert Evans, one of them dudes, it was like his tears that brought men to repentance. Like, I don't relate a lot to the people that are like, come out in the name of Jesus. Come out in the name of Jesus. Go right now. You must go. Now, nah, don't get me wrong. 
Don't get me wrong. There is a place for that. I do feel like we need people that are like that, that are like drill sergeant type, major pain, casting demons out of people that are more aggressive, that aren't afraid to call out your sin and call you out on your stuff, right? Call you out on your junk and almost kind of sometimes scare folks into <laughs> giving their life to Jesus. But that will only take you so far. If you don't know the love of Jesus, if you don't know that he is for you and not against you, that his plans for you are to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope in the future. That like in First Peter 5, 7, it says, cast all your cares on me because I care for you. If you don't know the love, like, that's why it was easier for me to receive the discipline of my dad because I knew my dad cared about me. He would hug me afterward. After time, every time he spanked me, he would always hug me, tell me that he loved me. He was seeing over me, right? My dad did all these things. He was one of the most selfless people I ever met in my life. He did all these things to show me that he loved me. So when it was, came time for him to discipline me, like, even though I didn't always like the discipline, I was able to receive it better. I don't know where I'm going with this, but like part of sanctification, there's salvation and there's sanctification or technically salvation is like daily, right? Becoming more and more like Jesus or becoming more and more like my daddy. Every day I'm becoming more like, you know how people say, you look just like your daddy. Like every son wants to be like his dad, right? Every daughter looks up to their dad they love their mom, but really every girl technically is a daddy's girl, even if they don't say it. Ooh, I'll never get somebody said, your sons will want to be like you and your daughters will marry you or something like that. So like, anyway, that's a deeper conversation, but becoming part of a relationship with Jesus is becoming more and more like him. The way I talk, the way I listen to people, the way I have patience for people, the way my heart is soft. Um... It's a process, becoming more and more like my dad, Jesus Christ, right? And so, anyway, there's what I was trying to say. When it says, he gave them the power against unclean spirits to cast them out and to heal all manner of sickness and all manner of disease. I feel like my, one of my biggest ministries and why Psalm 147.3 is my life verse I've told many of y'all this. My oldest daughter was born at 147 in the morning. When I took the LSAT twice, I got 147 both times, right? I'm called to heal people's hearts. That is my ministry. Like, I may, it'd be cool. I may never see somebody's prosthetic limb go away and them grow an actual limb. I may never see... It'd be cool. I pray to God, I see my teeth straightened and whitened miraculously, right? Or my finger straightened out that I broke when I was a kid. Or um, what else would be a cool miracle? Just seeing people, my laying hands on a blind person, and all of a sudden they can see. Or um, praying for people to get out of wheelchairs and they're able to get up and walk and run around, that kind of stuff. Yeah, that would be cool. I look forward to that, but even more so, I feel like one of my biggest ministries is healing people's hearts because that's what's last. Because when that person, after they had received their miracle and they're able to run around, right, 
and they're able to see all of a sudden with their physical eyes or they're able to hear or they're able, I don't know, whatever you pray for them, the pain goes away, the pain of their heart. You can be healed physically, but still have a broken heart. I'm just going to let that sink in. Anybody can come to a crusade for healing, right? For physical healing. But the number one thing I feel like the Holy Spirit, the Lord wants to do is heal people's hearts. And I feel like that's what God has called me to do. I'm not perfect at it. I struggle. There's areas where I've been hurt and wounded and rejected. And it sometimes causes me to have a wall up or, yeah, sometimes I get afraid and sometimes I'm anxious. And like I still think about that young lady who had the Tourette's who I didn't give a ride to. And how I probably fed right into that rejection that she's probably experienced her entire life because of her because of her um, condition or whatever. All right. Anyway, Heavenly Father, I just pray I give you um, any shame related to that or regret. And let's pray you send somebody else, Lord, to love on her in a way that I couldn't in that moment. In Jesus' mighty name, I pray. Amen. Uh, For those of y'all that want to pray for her, her name was Demi, D-E-M-I. Pray for Demi, like Demi Moore. I think there's an actress named Demi Moore. There's a woman named Demi. She has she battles with Tourette's. Uh, a few nights ago, uh, didn't give her a ride because she was making me nervous and she was belligerently drunk. <clears throat> All right, let's go. Verse two. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these: the first Simon, who's called Peter, and Andrew, his brother. But that's what Jesus does. He lays his life down. He doesn't care. He's willing to risk his life. Well, he did lay down his life. He died on the cross. Every day when the Bible says, take up our cross and follow him, like that's what we're doing in moments like that. Like, And I'm still learning what that, like wisdom. Sometimes we can use wisdom as an excuse, though. And forget that God is bigger. Like if that person is trying to harm us or hurt us. And you do get hurt or harmed. Fill in the blank. Like there's that one scripture that taught like there talked about. um, If someone asks you to go one mile. Then go two. See, now I got to bust it out. Because back then, back in the day, a Roman soldier could come up to anybody and they could make them like go up, like carry something for an entire mile. They just it almost be like if the police came up to you right now on the street and it's like, hey, carry this rucksack or this bag of groceries to my house this mile away. And you had to do it. It was a law. And there's a scripture that says, if let me see, I'm gonna, if someone asks you to go yep matthew 5 40 matthew chapter 5 verse 41 if anyone forces you to go one mile go with him two miles 
go with them two miles. This is Matthew 541. We're not going to go that deep in there, but I haven't even made it out of verse one yet. All right. Verse two. Now, the names of the 12 apostles are these. The first Simon, who is called Peter. It's crazy because there's another Simon who carries Jesus's cross. Black man. I love to point that out every time. And Andrew, his brother, and James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew. <laughs> this is before he became Doubting Thomas. Felipe and Bartholomew. Bartholomew. Thomas. My bad. All right, let's go back. It's Peter, the first Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, Philip, and Bartholomew, Thomas, and Matthew, the publican. Matthew's one of my favorites. <laughs> or Matthew, the tax collector. I have a son named Matthew. For those of y'all already listened to the podcast, you know that. And the reason why we uh, named him that is because he's one of my... I feel like he is one of... He's who I wanna, wanted to pattern my life after. Somebody that was willing to walk away from everything, his old life, to follow Jesus. Like, we don't hear about <clears throat> after Matthew following, leaving H&R Block to follow Jesus or leaving the IRS to follow Jesus. We don't ever hear about him doing taxes again or you know, collecting taxes and working at his old job or doing anything, anything similar to what he did. He became a fisherman. Can you imagine? Think like this is what will help the Bible come more alive is when you put yourself in the shoes of the people that were living back then. Like imagine if you were Matthew, right? You got this pretty good job where you're hated by the Jews or whatever, the people you're collecting the tax from, but you're loved by the Romans. You know, you make all you get to, you know, probably wine and dine, go to cool parties, hang out with some beautiful ladies and yeah, and them ladies probably were like, look at Matthew, look at him. Mm, he got a good job. He got good benefits. <laughs> he live in a nice house. Yeah, girl. Yeah, you should marry him. Yeah, he's a good dude. Yeah, he's a good candidate. He got his stuff together, right? <laughs> oh, man. That's all we know Matthew wasn't married. Or I don't think he was married because if he was, we would hear about his wife being angry about him leaving his job. Like, what? You quit your job. <laughs> oh, anyway, I'm stepping on some toes and bringing it. All right. So I'm talking from a place a little bit of a hurt, too. So Matthew is one of my favorite people in the Bible because he left it all. He forsook all. Think about that. And he took on a job as a fisherman. You know, fishing fishing for actual fish. We're not going to get to the fisher being a fisher of men. That's dirty, too. But fishing, I've only been fishing for real that I can remember one time and I caught a T-shirt. My uncle or my, my uncle Fowl, a.k.a. Philip, he reminds me of it all the time. And it's a dirty, messy thing. Just even though I'm I'm good on fishing, just the thought of it. And back then they would they didn't do they didn't use like poles. They used nets. It was a dirty job. Imagine Matthew going. Imagine going from being a banker, tax person, a prestigious job, 
And now all of a sudden you are a Now all of a sudden you are this dirty fisherman and no and you're wearing dirty clothes, you stink. And now the ladies ain't looking at you the same way. Like, what happened to Matthew? He was cool when he had that good job. Anyway, all right. Good benefits. I was gonna talk to him. Now he over there catching fish and hanging out with that dude, Jesus, that crazy that wild dude. <laughs> that radical dude that be healing folks. And telling people to repent. <sighs> or, yeah. Well, technically, that was John the Baptist. Hell. Jesus' approach was different than John the Baptist. Which, we'll get to that. Pay attention to that. Because when Jesus asked Peter, like, who do you say that I am? And some people said, oh, you're John the Baptist. Some people say you're um, Elijah. Jesus in some ways, there were similar, some similarities to those people in the way that he ministered, but he wasn't them. There was something different about. I want you to ask yourself as you we read through the New Testament, like how was Jesus different than John the Baptist and Elijah? These people that Jesus was compared to. All right, we got 20 minutes to land this plane. James, the son of Alphaeus, all right, uh, Thomas and Matthew, the publican on the tax collector, James, the son of Alphaeus and Labius, whose surname was Thaddeus, Simon, the Canaanite, and Judas Iscariot, who all also portrayed him. It's interesting, out of all the names in here, if you notice, Judas is the only one where it points out his sin when we first get introduced to him. We don't hear about Thomas doubting Jesus. We don't hear about Peter denying Jesus three times. Notice that. All right. Their work outlined. Verse five. These 12 Jesus sent forth and commanded them, saying, Go in, not into the way of the Gentiles and into any city of the Samaritans. Enter ye not, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Hmm. And ye and as ye go, preach, saying, The kingdom of heaven is at hand. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead. Cast out devils, freely you have received, freely give. Provide neither gold nor silver nor brass in your purses, nor script for your journey. Neither two coats, neither shoes, nor yet staves, for the workman is worthy of his meat. Now, some imagine if some dude just came up to y'all right now and was like, hey, we about to go on a missions trip through, we're going to go evangelize and take over our city, right? But don't we're not gonna um, stay in any hotels. We're not gonna take any money. We're not gonna take any credit cards. None of that. We're just gonna live by faith and trust that God will provide. And we're gonna like stay live on the kindness of people and stay in people's houses, right? Along the way, complete strangers who are friendly to us and let us live with them. How many of y'all will be like, sign me up? Just the thought of that. I mean, maybe in my 20s, I could see myself doing that. But now in my 30s, after I've seen some things and been some places and experienced some things, I'm like, God, I don't know about all that. Like, you, you got to, I need an angel to show up. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you got to make it super clear. 
and I need to have like I got to at least have a bank account with a hundred grand in it, enough money for the whole year, and I can't do the whole roughing it or staying in strangers' houses. I need nice accommodations. And you stay at at least a Holiday Inn. What you doing? Chilling at the Holiday Inn. All right, here we go. And into whatsoever city or town, and into whatever city or town ye shall enter, inquire who in it is worthy, and there abide till ye go thence. Here goes that Shakespeare talk. Verse 12. And when ye come into an house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. Basically, it's going to be a curse on any people that don't accept them into their home and bless them. And there's a blessing on those who do allow them into their home and show them hospitality. And whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words. That's another test. Like how many of y'all, some random stranger came up to your house and was like, hey, can I stay here? I'm I'm a, I'm a missionary. I'm a disciple. Like. Of Christ, I'm out here doing the Lord's work. I just need a place to stay for a couple weeks or a month. Maybe a year. Would you do it? There's a lot of people who let YWAMers stay with them. For those of y'all who don't know what YWAMers are, they're people, they're called youth with a mission. It's a whole missionary work. All right. Verse 14, and whosoever shall not receive you nor hear your words when ye depart out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Ooh. Verse 16, behold, I send you forth as sheep in the midst of wolves. Be ye therefore wise as serpents and harmless as doves. But beware of men, for they will deliver you up to the councils and they will scourge you in their synagogues. And ye shall be brought before governors and kings, and for my sake, for a testimony against them and Gentiles. But when they deliver you up, take no thought how or what ye shall speak, for it shall be given you in that same hour that what ye shall speak. This is a good scripture for those of y'all who struggle with just getting started evangelizing. When you go approach some complete stranger and tell them, like, I love to just start with, hey, Jesus loves you. Or do you know how much Jesus loves you? Or I'll say, are you a Christian? Do you have Jesus in your heart? And then the conversation just goes from there. And the more you do it, and the more you actually spend time in God's word, or just have at least a few handy scriptures that you got to know the entire Bible, backward and forward. Like if somebody, don't be afraid. Like a lot of times what gets us in trouble why we don't evangelize is because we, our pride, our ego is like, I need to sound smart. Like, it's okay to sound dumb. Like, you don't have to outduel a Jehovah Witness. In fact, I think that gets in the way of really ministering to a Jehovah Witness's heart. Because in order to really win a Jehovah Witness over, they need to see the love of God. Like, you almost have to be the you have to be the hands and feet of Jesus. They need to experience the hands and feet of Jesus, his love, because their whole religion is based on works and having a bunch of knowledge of God. Anyway, that's a whole deeper conversation for that. But anyway, my main point is this is a good scripture right here. 
for it shall be given you in that same hour what you shall speak. God will give you the words to say. I know he's talking about like being brought before um, back then, like when they get brought before other like governors and leaders who are like questioning why they are making so much being troublemakers and causing issues in the town. God will give them like the words to say. But for us, it's a good scripture when we evangelize people, like trusting that God will give us the words to say to people. Just like that lady Hannah who I was talking to and telling her the story of Hannah. And I had no clue that she was barren at one point and had to use in vitro fertilization to have a baby. I didn't know that. All right, verse 20. For it is not ye that speak. See, there we go. It is not ye that speak, but the spirit of your father which speaketh in you. And I think, honestly, that is the beauty of evangelizing is there's going to be times where you sound completely dumb, like you don't know what you're talking about. And that's the human side of you. And people will pick up on the human side of you versus the spirit talking. And you're going to my prayer is that you'll say at least one thing. And it half the time, people don't even remember half the stuff you say anyway. So my prayer when I go to evangelize or somebody is like, Lord, give me may there just be at least one thing that speaks to that person's heart. That transforms the entire course of their life, that changes their direction. So they stop going down the broad way and go down the narrow way, the narrow path. Verse 21, and the brother shall deliver up the brother to death and the father of the child and the children shall rise up against their parents and cause them to be put to death. That's what we're going through right now. It's coming. The persecution that's headed toward the church. This is this scripture pertains to like some stuff that happens in Revelation. All right. And ye shall be hated of all men for my name's sake, but he that endureth to the end shall be saved. Now, this scripture, a lot of times, y'all can go look up commentaries on your own. But I've heard this scripture misquoted in my personal opinion about losing your salvation. Like this scripture is referring to like I'll let y'all go read the commentaries on that. It's talking to those disciples at that present time and also a future group of people that will be here after the rapture, the rapture of the church, when all the people that are left behind and police come up to you and like, hey, do you accept Jesus? Are you a Christian? And you say yes, you get shot in the head. And if you don't, or you might be tortured and beaten. And then um, and then if you say you're not a Christian, then you have to accept the mark of the beast and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, those folks it was what the commentaries I read by like Tony Evans say that's what this scripture is referring to. The disciples at that time who were about to undergo some intense persecution and it's easy to forget that most of the disciples, pretty much all of the disciples like died some very gruesome deaths. And I kind of wonder if they had known how they were going to, how this is all going to end <laughs> if they would have still signed up to follow Jesus. And there's a special crown in heaven for people that um, and Revelation talks about this special crown for people that are like left behind during the after the great tribulation or after the rapture and 
who have to go through the tribulation. It's just a deep, deeper conversation about pre-trib and post-trib, whether Christians will go through the tribulation. Anyway, there's a special crown, a martyr's crown for those who endure to the end and don't accept the mark. Verse 23, but when they persecute you in this city, flee ye into another. For verily I say unto you, ye shall not have gone over the cities of Israel to the son of man be come. The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. It is enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. Coming like your daddy. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Remember when they tried to say that Jesus was um, the way he was able to get his powers to heal people was from he was using. No, when he yeah, the powers to cast out demons he got from a demon. And he's like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Playboy, like my friend, like, hey, like. How like that would mean I would be casting myself out of myself. Make it make sense. Verse 26. Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed and hid that shall not be known. As they say, what's done in the dark eventually comes in light. All that people, the whole phrase they have in Sin City and Vegas, like what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. No, it doesn't. Verse 20, everything comes to the light eventually. Verse 27, what I tell you in darkness that speak ye in light and what ye hear in the ear that preach ye upon the housetops. I think I've said this before. Imagine if our thoughts were all played on a ticker. Ooh, that would be very interesting in church. Like, just for a day, like, all of our thoughts were, like, shown on the big screen on the on the main, you know, you know how every church has, like, a bunch of, like, flat screen TVs or, like, big old projector screens or something. Some way to, like, show the announcements or whatever or the words of the uh, from the worship, the lyrics to the worship songs. What if we, like, hmm, now we're going to highlight Sister Sharon... Sister Thelma's thoughts that she's had from the entire service and it just went like across the screen like a ticker. Oh, boy. And yeah, that would be very interesting. Verse 28. And fear not. Let's go back. Verse 27. What I tell you in darkness that speak ye in light and what ye hear in the ear that preach ye upon the housetops. Basically, he wants a, he wanted them to declare the gospel and the things that he's teaching them. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. Verse 28. And fear not them which can kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both the soul and body in hell. Mm. It's a very powerful scripture. Very powerful scripture. Um, like when we were going out and being Christ, like being the hands and feet of Jesus. Like last night, I had a little moment where I was with Miss J, and um, we had a like, what would Jesus moment? It was this kind of sketchy looking black dude. There's always, almost always, there's somebody standing at this exit near the Broadway, before you get to the Broadway Bridge, 169 Broadway Bridge, when you turn left, it's at this, I can't remember what the name of that road, there's this exit right at this corner of Broadway before you get on 169. They're usually on both corners. 
right before you get to the bridge where they're doing all this construction, right? Um, there's There was this black man, sketchy looking black man, standing at the corner. And I... I don't always park right next to that spot. Sometimes I try to avoid it. Mainly just for safety for my rider, just in case that person might try to carjack jack us. And it's one thing to be carjacked with just me, but it's thing to have a passenger with me. And so I'm usually try to, you know, think of their safety first. But in that moment, I was like, even though I was in the right lane, I was like, you know what, I'm going to pull over to the left and I, you know, so I'm gonna bless this man with something, and then um, there's there's that one scripture like that talks about even when you give somebody a cup of cold water, you did it, and you you know if you did it for Jesus, there's a blessing behind that. Anyway, let's wrap it up. So yeah, don't like in that moment I had to not fear what that person could do to me, like that they might kill me and carjack me and kill me, right, or even kill my passenger. I had to think more of like that God would protect me. Verse 29, are not two sparrows sold for a farthing and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father? All right, this is just going to be a very long recording. I'm almost done, y'all, but I don't want to rush this ending. So I'm going to do another restart. BRB. It's your good friend, A.A. Ron. All right. Um, we were in verse 29. Are not two sparrows written out at Matthew chapter 10, verse 29, KJV. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? What is a farthing? Someone asked a question. Why do we sing? When we lift our hands up to Jesus, what do we really mean? I sing because I'm happy. I sing because I'm free. His eye is on the sparrow. I'm going to add that to my playlist. That's the reason why. I sing. So a farthing is a former monetary unit and coin of the UK withdrawn in 1961, equal to a quarter of an old penny. The least possible amount. Interesting. She didn't sentence. She didn't care a farthing for the woman. So it's. A quarter of a penny. It's not even a full penny. A quarter of a penny. Wow. It's interesting, though, because now with crypto, cryptocurrency has brought back this concept of having like these fractional shares of a dollar. Same thing with trading and investing. How you can buy fractional shares of a stock or like you can yeah spend change on anyway on on uh yeah anyway fraction like 
you can't, no one carries around, shoot, nowadays people don't really carry around cash in general. But if I wanted to like buy something for a fraction of a penny or sell something for a fraction of a penny, that'd be kind of hard to do with actual physical currency. But this digital currency that we're all going to allows you to do that. Wow. Hey, y'all didn't probably think we're going to have a whole conversation about cryptocurrency on there. All right. A farthing was the original. Like people think, oh, some dude named Satoshi came up with crypto. It's like, nah, this has been around since the beginning of time when you get a farthing, a a quarter of a penny. There you go. I got a little lesson. All right. So are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? So back in the day, they used to have a quarter of a penny that you could buy two sparrows. And I think sparrows, if I remember correctly, are like our turtle dove. They were used to make sacrifices. Like God, in the sacrificial system, going back to the Old Testament, he made it in such a way to where, like, to make sacrifices to atone. Y'all go back and read it. it and think in Leviticus, they talk about all the different sacrifices to atone for our sins. There was the sins that the people, the things that the people had to bring to be sacrificed. And then there was the things that the priests were supposed to sacrifice and some people used to try to cheat and bring like a lamb with a missing eye and a one leg shorter than the other you know with defects they weren't supposed to do that but anyway god made it to where like even a poor widow could could make her sacrifice or give her tithes and offering to the lord there was like a love offering. There was all these different offerings you could, to give to God and a sacrifice and made to atone for our sins, all that kind of stuff. Y'all go read it on your own. But yes, one of the smallest amounts that people could do, <clears throat> could give was like turtle doves. And so I I don't know. I don't know why he's talking about sparrows here. Are not two sparrows sold for a farthing? I don't know why he's bringing that up. But it says, and one of them shall not fall on the ground without your father. Basically saying that if God, they see in a scripture later on, like, look at the lilies of the field, the birds. Doesn't your father, like he he provides for them. How much more does your father care for you? If he cares for some sparrows, some birds. How much more did he care for you? That's what he, that's, that's where how I read this. But where was I going with the whole, oh, it's crazy. I just had this dude in my, this random dude in my car. He was like, you know what a mite is? And he was like, it's duck's poop. And I didn't know that. So like when it talks about the widow's mite, Technically, apparently she was talking with coins that she had, but it could have been duck poop. Y'all look up the story of the widow's mite. We're not going to go there. But here we go. Verse 30. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Isn't that crazy? Not only does God know all the hairs on my head, but he knows all the hairs on my entire body right now from my head. Even the hairs on my big toe. Even the hairs on my pinky toe. And hairs and all the other places that are strange places that humans have hair in. 
Fear ye not, therefore ye are of more value than many sparrows. This is a good memory verse, y'all. I'm gonna read that again. I'm gonna read that to whoever listening. I'm reading it to myself. Fear ye not, therefore we are of more value than many. Not just a few. Not just one, not two, not three, but many sparrows. So, yeah, if a sparrow is worth a quarter of a penny and we're worth more than many sparrows, how much is many? Let's just say uh, many to him is thou to God is thousands and millions. We're worth more, more than to God than millions of dollars. That's how I read that. Whosoever, therefore, shall confess, just like if you have a child, like if somebody tried to can't come to you, even though this happens in other parts of the world, where people sell their children because they're starving and about to die. Um, very, and we live in a world where more and more our children are considered like not important. And uh, even though Roe versus Wade was overturned, there's still you know all these debates over abortion rights. You look at the whole story of Ohio, all that kind of stuff. Think about your children, like how valuable they are to there's no way you would like somebody try to come along and buy your children. You would be like, no, you're crazy. I'm not selling my child. I love them. There's no they're priceless. There's no amount. Now, some days you'd be like, man, somebody come take this child. But you still love them. You know, you wouldn't you would especially you moms like y'all guys. Sometimes we're not as emotionally attached to our kids. You're like, oh, they'll figure it out. Send them out into the wild. They'll they'll survive. But moms, there's that nurturing aspect. And there's that same nurturing aspect of Jesus. Like, he loves us. Like I said the other day, like, do you know how much Jesus loves you? He is jealous for me. He loves like a hurricane. I am a tree bending beneath him. I'm snapping off beat. The weight of his wind and mercy. And all of a sudden, I am unaware of these afflictions, e- afflictions eclipsed by glory. And I realize just how beautiful you are and how gracious your. How does the words go? Your something are for me. Oh, how he loves us so. Oh, how he loves us. How he loves us. So. All right, verse 32. Whosoever therefore shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father, which is in heaven. Could you imagine being married, but you're ashamed of your spouse? Like, nobody, like, have you ever met those couples that are like dating? But nobody knows they're like they keep it on the low, like yeah. Let's just use this example of uh, since everybody's talking about Taylor Swift and um, Travis Kelsey. Sorry, y'all. Some of y'all cover your ears for those that are tired of hearing this. But imagine if like everybody knew they were dating. But there's always that point in a relationship where you eventually have to go public with your relationship. There's no such thing as. I won't go that deep on this point, but the main thing is just like people 
ex- there's an expectation to go public with a serious dating relationship, especially a marriage relationship. There's no such thing as being an under- undercover Christian. You know, either you're married to Jesus or you're not. Simple as that. There's no even like, oh, I'm kind of married. Either you're married or you're not married. Like when people tell me, I'm going to start saying that from now on. Like I'm going to get a little bit more bold, but still share truth and love. And when somebody says, uh, when I ask them, are you a Christian? And they're like, oh, kind of. I'm like, so what you're telling me, like, can you be kind? Like I was asked, are you married? Are your parents married? Are they married or are they kind of married? <laughs> what if what if your parents or what if you're you if somebody came up to you and asked you like this if they tell if I like oh, if they have a wedding ring on I'm gonna look at it and be like so you're married right? What if somebody came up to you a complete stranger and asked you if you were married and your response to your spouse even more said ah oh, kind of how would that make you feel? It would hurt your feelings right? How do you think Jesus feels when you say you're kind of a Christian? It's like saying you're kind of married to him. Now, there's, I'm saying that all in love and grace. Like, that's not to condemn you or make you feel bad. That's just, like, to just plainly lay it out. And that convicts me, too, anytime I haven't been very bold. Like, crazy love will make you do crazy things. Like, some of the people in our church lately and the kids have been, like, standing on tables and, like, telling people about Jesus, right? When I do it, I want to do more of like singing. Like I'm gonna sing like Jesus loves you, this I know. Or say Jesus loves us, this I know. For the Bible tells us so. Cause that's one that everybody knows. Little ones to him belong. They are weak, but he is strong. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you. Yes, Jesus loves you, for the Bible tells you so. Yeah, I'm going to do Jesus loves you. This I know, for the Bible tells you so. Little ones to him belong, they are weak, but he is strong. I'm just going to do, yeah, Jesus loves you. Verse 33, but whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my father, which is in heaven. It's just like the bride. It would be like, yeah, on the other end, the groom, because Jesus is like the groom. The church is referred to as the bride. There's a lot of scripture. Some of y'all might think I'm weird talking about all this marriage analogy stuff. Just go read the scriptures. It talks about referring to his church as the bride. He's coming back for a bride without a spot and wrinkle. Like, what if, <clears throat> what if, uh, <laughs> it's funny because there's that running joke amongst older women. They'd be like, can you wear white? <laughs> like if you have, you know, relations before you get married and you're technically supposed to, or like the women that are pregnant with the baby bump at the wedding, then technically not supposed to wear white. The only way, only reason why we have a right to wear white at our wedding day is the blood of Jesus. I'm going to let that sink in. Because my he refers to my good my righteousness and my good works like a filthy rag, like a woman's menstrual pads. Or we'll just say a baby's diaper. Nasty stuff. 
and the only thing that is going to part yeah as our church is being sanctified like even on this side of heaven i'll never be perfect i'll every day i wake up i still have bad thoughts i still sometimes make bad choices i say things out of anger fill in the blank there are sins that I commit knowingly and unknowingly, right? And the only thing that covers all of my sin is the blood of Jesus. And so when the Bible says he's coming back for a church without spot and wrinkle, spot or wrinkle, imagine a bride, yeah, walking down the aisle and her dress is a hot mess. You know, like what in the world is going on here? Anyway, but imagine that groomsman, that the groom, Jesus, standing there. And it's wedding day and there's his bride and all the Christians that represents his church, all the Christians throughout history who have ever professed Jesus Christ to be their Lord and Savior, to have a relationship with him, who weren't afraid, weren't ashamed to tell others about him. Right. And that's who he's marrying. That's the person. That's who that's who he knows. And then there's all these people at the wedding day which I think of like the, that would be like the great white throne judgment. Y'all can go look all this stuff up in your own. That's how I picture it. It's all, and it lists the very first people in there is the cowards, the people that were afraid to commit to Jesus and tell others about him, acted like they didn't know him, which is wild though, because Peter denied Jesus three times. So, if Peter denied Jesus three three times and he saw Jesus, he walked with Jesus, he saw the miracles. I personally believe there's and there's grace for our generation. Cause we we look backward. We've never actually seen Jesus with our physical eyes. Like at least I never have. Um but I still sense his presence and I believe in him. And so, and I feel like I have a relationship with him. I don't always hear clearly from him, but. I can see clearly now that the rain is gone. Why am I snapping off beat today? But anyway, imagine me at the wedding day and yeah, Jesus is up there. He's the groom. And yes, that God is up there, you know reading the vows and then at the end he's like god is like if anybody objects from or believes that these two should not be married speak now or forever hold your peace and then all the people in matthew 7 talks about but jesus we did this in your name you did that in your name and he says depart from me you work of iniquity i never do you i never had a relationship with you Ouch. And the Holy and then they keep trying to talk and the Holy Spirit is like Sorry, homie, remember all those times I sent all those people to tell you about me and you just brushed them off? Or you said, Tomorrow I'll give my life tomorrow. Anyway. Lord, help us, Lord. Grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy, grace and mercy. Verse 34, think not that I am come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. 
see, a lot of us have this false image of Jesus. And we see all these pictures of him, like, looking all sad and crippled on a cross, hanging there, or just docile. But this Jesus didn't play around. He came to do business on earth. When he came here, he walked fully in his purpose. He didn't sit there and go to all these seminars to figure out who he was and find who he was and go to read books called The Secret and watch a bunch of YouTube videos. Like He clearly knew that his job was to seek and to save the lost and to fulfill, like to ultimately die on a cross for our sins, the sins of the world, for people that had all turned. We all, Romans 3.23, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Romans... 5.8, God demonstrated his love toward us in that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. Because the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. So anyone who calls upon the name of the Lord now can be saved. We confess with our heart and believe in our, if we can confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ rose from the dead, we shall be saved. Not might be, not maybe, but we will be saved. That's what he came to do. He came to destroy the works of the devil. To set the captives free, Isaiah 61. To proclaim freedom to this generation. To set the captives free. Anyway, what holds you captive? What holds you in bondage? Do you know? Do I know? Jesus meant business, business, not business, biz, B-I-Z-N-A-Z-Z, triple Z. Think not that I come to send peace on earth. I came not to send peace, but a sword. For I am come to set a man at variance against his father and the daughter against her mother and the daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. And a man's foe shall be, wow, we were just talking about this at church and prayer on Friday. And now here I am reading this. Wow. That's cool. This is some powerful stuff. And a man's foes shall be they of his own household. Verse 37. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Some of y'all need to cut soul ties with your parents. You value what your parents have to say more than what Jesus has to say, what the word of God has to say. Now, don't get me wrong. Our parents have a lot of wisdom, a lot of lived experience, but they're not Jesus. They're not the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit, Jesus can work through them. But once you become an adult in that, when it talks about, especially for those of y'all that are married and talks about leave and cleave, when a a man marries is supposed to leave his father and mother and cleave to their spouse. And so the two shall become one, one flesh. Anyway. Here, let me just keep going. And a man's foe shall be they of his own household. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. And he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth every day we should be taking up our cross. Like, Lord, help me to take up my cross and follow you. And that cross represents all the things that Jesus endured. Enduring persecution, 
people, I don't know about y'all, but I don't like confrontation and I don't like, I don't like, I don't like not being liked. And there's times where I will refrain from saying things because I know it's going to like cause that person not to like me or disagree with me. And I need the Lord's help to get over that. That's part of now, we don't just go around saying stuff to people to make them, you know, to beat them over the head with the Bible, make them angry on purpose. No, I'm not going around trying to start fights or be confrontational. But there does come a time when we have to speak truth and love and it's going to step on people's toes. It's going to cause some hard conversations. But we have to be unafraid to say that. And the Holy Spirit, he'll give you wisdom on how to say that. How to really speak to somebody's heart. Because I think too often when we get in, when Christians get in debates and arguments with people, I don't like to argue. Like, I've just learned the art of, like, sharing what I feel like the Lord has given me to say to somebody. And then when I resist, when I start to reach a point of resistance or a wall, I stop. I'm like, no, I'm not going to force this. I'm not going to turn this into, yeah, I planted the seed. I gave you the Jesus loves you card. I gave you a scripture that can encourage you. And then you take it from there. I allow the Holy Spirit to do the rest of the work. We can't, yeah, part of taking up our cross and following Jesus is being able to endure the persecution, being identified with Christ. Oh, those Christians, y'all are so judgmental. Y'all are so narrow-minded. Y'all are crazy. Abortion, women's rights, my body, my choice. Y'all are... All the other fill in the blank, all the things that people just think of all the people that things that people say about Christians. That's what they're talking about you. And that includes the yeah, we're all one body, right? There are some Christians that don't always give us a good name, right? But you're lumped in Jesus still loves his church. He loves the Republican Christians and he loves the Democrat Christians. He loves the liberal Christians and he loves the conservative Christians. He loves, there's a whole gamut of Christians, people who profess Jesus Christ as Lord, right? He loves them all. And you have to be willing to endure the suffering that comes along with that. Like when people say bad things about the church, my first inclination a lot of times is always to distance myself. But now I'm learning the art of like taking ownership of it. Be like, yeah, I'm part of that bride. I'm a part of that bought this body. And um, anyone who anyone who professes Jesus Christ as Lord, that He's the John fourteen, John three sixteen, and John fourteen six. As long as they're professing those main things then we're on the same team. And when you say something bad about somebody on our team, I'm I'm going to defend them, but not like in a... I'm going to say, hey, yes, the church is imperfect, has a lot of flaws, but Jesus still loves his church. And at least, and yeah, it may be full of hypocrites, but at least... They're people that are trying. They're honest about their state and knowing that they need their they're sinners in need of a savior. 
What about you? Who? Where does your help come from? Where does your salvation come? When hard times come, who do you cry out to? Your rocks? Your dream catchers and your evil eyes and your Ouija boards? Where do you go? Or whatever else you go, fill in the blank. Your psychics and your tarot cards. Your chakras. First, throw your yoga. <clears throat> Do you have peace afterward? Y'all go look up. There's a lady. I can't remember her name. She's famous. But she recently... There's a lot of people that were involved in witchcraft that are denouncing that stuff. I can't think of that recent story I just read. Anyway, let's keep going. In verse 38, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. He that findeth his life shall lose it, and he that loseth his life for my sake shall find it. He that receiveth you receiveth me, and he that receiveth me receiveth him that sent me. He that receiveth a prophet in the name of a prophet shall receive a prophet's reward, and he that receiveth a righteous man in the name of a righteous man shall receive a righteous man's reward and whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water only in the name of a disciple only in the name of a disciple not in the name of being a good person not in the name of being a good human not in the name of just being a good yeah in the name of being a disciple of christ that's the only way it counts <laughs> your good works are filthy rags Verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. So there's a reward for people who are followers of Christ who do good works, who do. We are saved by grace, not by works. We're, faith, we're saved to do good works. And the only way you're going to get rewarded when you pass from this life to the next for those good works is if you did them for Jesus. Because he deserves the glory and all the honor at the end of the day. So when it says in Matthew 7, one of the most scary verses in the Bible, uh, chapters in the Bible, when it says, many on that day will say to me, well, we did this. We cast out demons in your name. We did this in your name. We did that in your name. You say, depart from me, you worker of iniquity. I never knew you. That's who he's referring to. People who did all these works, but they denied. Even Jehovah's Witnesses, if they don't profess Jesus Christ as Lord, God have mercy. God have grace. Mormons, Jesus Christ is not Lord and Savior. If you did those good works, Catholics, Jesus is your high priest, not a priest. Confess your sins to him and to your brothers and sisters, but not, you don't have to confess your sins to a priest. Jesus Christ is your high priest. Am I missing anybody? Anybody who doesn't profess, profess Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I'm reading this once again. And whosoever shall give. I just talked about this earlier about that homeless dude I saw on the corner. There's going to be a reward. And the one thing I have to be careful of a lot of times is not. Because there's another scripture that talk about being careful about boasting about things that you do. Nice things you do for people. Like, do your good works in secret, and your father to have will reward you. <clears throat> <clears throat> <clears throat> I 
I hear you over there, Yogi. My neighbor's dog heard him making noise again. He's been pretty chill this whole time. Maybe he's listening to me uh, chew the Bible. And whosoever shall give to drink unto one of these little ones a cup of cold water, only in the name of a disciple, verily I say unto you, he shall in no wise lose his reward. Why does it say little ones? Because, yeah, people love to say, we're all God's children. It's like, nope. Unless you're born again, then you have the right to be adopted and become one of God's children. You have to be born again. Heavenly Father, thank you for this word. I pray for grace from the people listening to this. Because <laughs> this is another, another long one. I pray... As I go out and work as unto you, I pray for every single person that gets in my car. I pray for divine appointments. I pray against the spirit of fear. You have not given me a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. Yes, I break off that spirit of timidity. Help myself and the people listening to be bold for you. To be unashamed, as it says in... Romans one one six. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it has the power to save. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for this word. Lead us, guide us, order our steps. Fill us with your love. Fill us with your joy. Fill us with your peace. Help us to be your hands and feet everywhere we go. In Jesus' mighty, precious name I pray. Amen. I just had this thought about the whole phrase that people used to say, WWJD, what would Jesus do? I think the thing that needs to be added to that is not only what would Jesus do, what would Jesus say? Um, what would you, Not only what would Jesus do, but what would Jesus say? That needs to be added. WWJS, what would Jesus say? And also, we should pray like, Lord, help me to do and say only the things that you have called me to do and say. Things that are going to be filled with life. Help me to speak life because life and death is in the power of the tongue. Order my steps. And when, I, when you order my steps and lead me and guide me, here we go. We'll close out with this. Psalm 23. It's going to read it out of the KJV. A Psalm of David. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I just love the KJV version because that's the way I originally learned the scripture. So like any other version other scripture i just even though some of them are really cool i just will always have an affinity or a, a liking or a connection to this version here we go the lord is my shepherd i shall not want he maketh me to lie down in green pastures 
He leadeth me beside the still waters. He restoreth my soul. He leadeth me in the paths of the righteous for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For thou art with me. Thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Thou preparest a table before me in the presence of my enemies. Thou anointest my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all. Not some of the days. Not Tuesday, Wednesday, but not Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. All the days of my life. And I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever, ever, 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 ever. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned, or missed the mark, or veered off the path, and fallen short of the glory of God, or God's perfect standard. Romans 6.23 says, For the wages of the cost of that sin is death, or eternal separation from God. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Romans 5a says, But God demonstrated his love toward us, or showed his love toward us, in that while we were still yet sinners, Jesus Christ died for us. Romans 10 verse 9 through 10 says that if we will confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart that God has raised him from the dead, we will, not might be, not maybe, we will be saved. For with our hearts we believe we are now in right standing with God, and with our mouths we confess that we are now saved. Lastly, Romans 10 verse 13 says that whosoever, anybody, everybody, who calls upon the name of the Lord, they will be saved. So if you never asked Jesus into your heart or you've walked away from him and you would like to rededicate your life to him, you can just simply say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I know my sin deserves to be punished. I believe Jesus Christ is the son of God who died for me and rose from the grave. I want to turn from my sin and trust Jesus Christ alone as my savior. Thank you for the forgiveness and everlasting life I can now have through faith in Jesus. In Jesus' mighty precious name I pray. Amen.